On this episode, we discuss Fantasy Island. You best start believing in Fantasy Island, dear listeners, because you're in one. (laughs) In an island? everyone and welcome to the flop house i'm dan mccoy i'm Stuart wellington and this is elliot kalen big energy <laughs> yep. wow hey what what time of year is it well, dan? it is i was gonna ask you i looked at the calendar and lo and behold shocktober is here it feels like it's uh-huh. earlier every year the time when we celebrate uh, scares and spooks and thrills and chills and uh-huh. kills. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, we'll uh, find out. And uh, sometimes uh, the early Star Wars screenplay draft, Journey, Journal of the Wills. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's our, you know, it's our horror movie uh, themed month. Unlike the uh-huh. early years of the Flophouse, which was every other movie was a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. We, well, watch what you know. Yeah. That's what they say, right? Yeah, we, we. Yep, that's exactly what they say. Only in only partake in media that immediately uh, fulfills your uh, limited worldview mm-hmm. is what they say, right? That's why the yes. entirety of my entertainment is the CCTV feed inside my own house. Wow. <laughs> uh, sounds. Would you boring. would you file that if if you were stocking that uh, that movie in a blockbuster video where would you put it elliot yeah uh sometimes in comedy sometimes in adult oh wow wow. okay i guess you can't be comedy all the time you know so very rarely in documentary which is ironic are you watching are you watching the feed while it's adult because i i would argue you need to you should probably be paying more attention to you know the matter at hand at that point well, no, I'm a 21st no, no, no. century. I'm a 21st century millennial, so I live my life through screens. So I don't mm-hmm. actually know if I'm being intimate with another human unless I'm seeing it happen through a screen at the same That's time. That's fair enough. Okay, yeah. well, very Patrick Bateman way of approaching life. Uh, yeah, exactly. I saw American Psycho, and I was like, "Yes, this guy understands. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not his body that's experiencing these things that matters. It's the reflection of himself that other people can see that matters." Mm-hmm. And Huey Lewis and the news is great. Uh, fair enough. Well, this is where Patrick and I split ways. Alexa, uh, play Huey because... Lewis in the news sports. That's for mm-hmm. you, Jesse. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's, I realized that I only explained one half, which is what we do this month, but not overall, okay. which is that we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. Or, you know, a presumed uh-huh. bad movie. We, 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 we like to make up our own mind. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're not sheeple. And so Shocktober well, is horror movies, right? And, yeah. in, and in this case, we watched a movie that was critically panned, but financially quite successful. It was a hit. And uh, I think it, like this is, we watched Fantasy Island, and I think it's a Blumhouse release, and I think it's uh, instructive maybe to say a few words about Blumhouse off, off the top, because I feel like sure. ho- modern horror is kind of split into the Blumhouse thing or the A24 thing. And mm-hmm. A24 <clears throat> is, you know... Mostly all prestige, all the time, slow burn horror movies. Yeah, imagine a trailer with stark imagery, yeah. dollhouses, 
winter. Mm-hmm. Sparse strings accompany these mm-hmm. images. Heavy atmosphere. A, the A in A24 stands for atmosphere, and 24 uh-huh. is the amount of atmosphere, yeah, in, which is roughly equal, roughly equal to uh, the surface of Venus. Yeah. Yes, and uh, yeah. Blumhouse Films, they sort of, they've become very successful. They started out, with, like, uh, with a couple of uh, franchises that were hugely successful, like Paranormal, KFC, a- Paranormal Activity and The Purge were big for them. And, you know, these are movies that are sort of like, a lot of their movies are based on a hook. And they've moved into more prestige uh, horror. No, but not the movie hook. No, not the movie mm-hmm. hook. Although it's that is a horror movie, movie in many ways. <laughs> about a, what about Candyman? Uh, Candyman has a hook. Another hook-based horror movie. Candyman does have a hook. Um, what about, what about uh, Dr. Hook? Dr. Hook? Yeah. Yeah. Is that a... Yeah, musician Dr. Hook. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not aware of that. The Hook by Blues Traveler? Yeah, or the... Yeah, it does bring you back. Anyway, continue. Blum, Blumhouse is, is more the... Uh, the, the They're more the uh, William Castle type. Hey, we're going to have a crazy idea that gets yeah, you in the Yeah, they're door. more the fun. I mean, like, they have... They've gotten into more prestige horror movies. Like, they released uh, Get Out. But that's also, like, a glossy horror movie that, even though it's taking on serious issues, is more of, like... You're still going to have, like, a fun, like, ride watching it as well. And uh, Dan McCoy raves about Get Out, a fun ride. Well, no, I don't want to. I, I don't want to. I mean, just not to it say, kind of is. I don't want to hit all the horror and comedy beats. It, is, beats. it yeah. is like, yeah, it is like. Check both, your brain at the door, says is, Dan McCoy. It is both, as I said, both dealing with serious issues and a, a fun, enjoyable movie to watch. In the way, and uh, but like they do a lot of silly stuff. They did uh, Happy Death Day, which I enjoyed a lot. But they also do like. Uh-huh. Dumb things that are based on a hook, like Truth or Dare, for instance, which we watched uh-huh. uh, for Shocktober in the past, and now we're watching fan- we watch Fantasy Island, which of course yeah, is- you or, or Whiplash, <laughs> yeah, Fantasy Island is also like, a Blumhouse production. I feel like Blumhouse also. I, I don't mean to. Uh, I, I haven't checked all the budgets, but I feel like they have a tendency to do pretty small budget movies with the hope of a you know a big return, like horror horror as a genre generally has been that in the past right yeah. where you can make a movie fairly cheaply and if you get a hit you make a ton of money back yeah. and i feel like Har- that's the blumhouse model horror has long been probably the second most profitable type of movie based on original investment yeah after yeah. pornography which uh-huh. is but it like that if that it's been that way for you know 70 years or so and blumhouse has been riding that wave yeah they and they do a pretty good job of it and this is Another high concept uh, horror movie from them, wherein they take the, you know, the seventies uh, light fantasy uh, drama, television drama, Fantasy Island, and they have turned it into a horror movie with a sinister twist. Uh-huh. Uh, now, were you guys were you guys fans of the original television show this is based on? I only know it culturally. Like I, I know references to it. Yep. I don't know the. Yeah, Fantasy Island is a little before my time. I was a baby when it ended, or was I three years old when it ended. I've only ever seen one episode of it, which I saw in syndication, which involved the only fantasies I remember from it are Don Adams from Get Smart was one of the guest stars, okay. and he want he had a fantasy not of wanting to. Not the cartoonist. Not the. <laughs> no, cartoonist. that's Don Martin. Jesus that, yeah, that's Christ. not Don Martin. Not not oh, Mr. Phone Such an asshole. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> You Ugh. should feel that way. You should feel that way, and I'm glad you feel that way oh right now. Oh, my God. It was Don but Adams. Don't edit it out. Don't edit, leave it in. Mm-hmm. I need I need. No, to no, yeah. This. Stuart needs to take his lumps. Uh, oh, he, if, if I've been God. saying it for a long time, Stuart's finally going to get his when he gets his Dons mixed up. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
And it's not Don's the Diner from uh, my hometown that I used to go to no, as a kid he, and eventually closed yeah. down. Uh, uh, so Don Adams, uh, his fantasy was to be a World War One pilot. And he just walked through a door and was one. And it was kind of goofy. Like, it, that was supposed to be a goofy thing because he's Don Adams. He's like, whoa, whoa, mm-hmm. ah. It was like kind of a run through for Inspector Gadget in some ways. Mm. The other fantasy was that an old woman who was played by a young woman in makeup. And I don't remember this guest star. Because the idea of Fantasy Island was that guest stars would show up as characters yeah, and, and magically live out their fantasies from a magic wishing well. They, uh, her, her, fantasy was that she would be young again for a day so she could have sex again with a man. And that <laughs> oh, was, wow. it was so, I think they couched it in terms of like love, but it was very clearly like she wants to be young again for a day so that she can be with, with men for as many men as possible in this day. And she does. They give her some kind of potion and the old age makeup comes off and she's just romancing dudes. Now, the other thing mm-hmm. I remember is Don, is Daffy Duck's Fantasy Island. Yes, I the, remember that. Looney Much Tunes better. repack movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, and was that Daffy Duck's fantasy as well? Uh, to become young know. again and romance some dudes? Yes, exactly. It was, it was Daffy Duck's fantasy to be young, which is crazy because he's already a cartoon duck. He's eternally young. And yeah. to finally get with bugs and it was pretty tender the scene is very tender okay. and the saddest part is when bugs and daffy are they're lying with each other in the uh-huh. afterglow and daffy realizes that he finally achieved his fantasy but that's all it's ever going to be and bugs bunny kind of disappears in his arms mm. and daffy runs into bugs the next day at work and bugs is like what's wrong daffy and daffy's like i got my dream come true and it's just like a mm-hmm. bittersweet moment so that was actually a very beautiful it's weird movie. i never really got that uh that like you know, vibe from those two guys that they had feelings for each other. But I guess that's a subtext that I just didn't pick up on as a kid. I mean, it's that's kind of shows you that sometimes, depending on how old you are, your life experiences, you experience things differently. Well, so it also let's depends on the Looney Tunes director. In Frizz Freeling's cartoons, they were super straight. In Chuck Jones' cartoons, they were clearly into each other. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about Blumhouse's <sighs> Fantasy Islands, too. Okay, so... Uh, yeah, let's, I'm going to be, uh, driving this car, and in order to do that, I need to pull up my notes. Now, I do have to point out, uh, that when I pull up my notes, luckily it's going to hide the Skype screen, so I don't have to be constantly distracted that Dan and Elliot are wearing the exact same t-shirt. They are very similar, they're but they're similar. not the exact same. I, I would It's say. exactly the same size and everything. No, <laughs> so, no, I've got a V-neck, a V-neck, his is a crew neck, y- uh, Elliot's stripes are fatter. I've got, like, yeah. uh, uh, thin white me, stripes. <laughs> yep, that is the two types of podcaster. <laughs> yeah, we got, we got a, bl- we could both have blue and white horizontal stripes on. Yeah. So we open on an island resort where a woman is running in terror. Uh, she runs into the, what seems to be like the office of this uh, island resort. Um, she is frightened and she is worried that she has been abducted by some masked goons. And she picks up the phone, and the person on the other end tries to reassure her, but then knows her name. So uh, that's, you know, that sticks the knife in a little bit. Not literally, you know, figuratively. Uh, And the goons show up, drag her away, and we see on the desk uh, a name placard, Mr. Rourke. Uh Uh-oh, that's Mr. Rourke from the TV show of the same name, Mm -hmm. played uh, famously by Ricardo Montalban. What? The the TV show Fantasy Island, you mean? The same name as the movie, not the same—the TV show wasn't called Mr. Rourke. It wasn't called Mr. Rourke? (laughs) No. It could have been. So, uh, and he was played by Ricardo Montalban in the uh, TV show, uh, as we'll see later, not the movie. So uh, later or earlier, <laughs> yes. we don't know. I'm glad it's... you pointed that out, that they didn't reanimate <laughs> Ricardo Montalban for the film. <laughs> yeah, so later or earlier, uh, you know, it's not super clear. We are at the same island. It is daytime. Uh-huh. 
a plane is arriving bearing, uh, what is it? Four, five, five attractive 30-somethings mm-hmm. who have won a VIP contest to be guests at Fantasy Island. That's the official name. Mm-hmm. A mysterious island uh, resort that is, uh, you know, is is rumored about, talked about on the internet where you can get your wildest dreams can come true. Yeah. Uh, the resort appears to be like a fairly normal upscale island resort. It's a little overstaffed. It's a little over-decorated. Okay. But it also feels oddly empty at times. You know, it's that kind of it's it's going for that perfect sweet spot. Yeah, I, I really like. In- keep reviewing it. Keep reviewing it, Stu. I, I want to really- know your full review of the resort. How do the cocktails that they talk a lot about later look? What do you think they, about that? They talk. Uh, I would say they look uh, pretty delicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would imagine they're overpriced, but yeah. it could be all inclusive. Yeah, they I, don't really cover it since they've won a contest to be here. So I'm guessing everything. Is they what? Did they win a contest? Is that how it was explained? Because I I missed that part, and then there's like later revelations where I'm like, well, how do these people know about Fantasy Island? But uh, well, yeah, they won a contest. Okay. I'm guessing they. Uh, I'm I'm sure they mentioned it at the beginning mm. where they like I don't know like hit like on an Instagram or something and everybody sure. uh, and then like a, a letter came in the mail or came in their inbox I don't know I don't know it was the old stuff. hit the monkey pop-up ad uh-huh uh, so we are introduced to our cast of characters we have uh, a pair of brothers who are also kind of bros mm-hmm. uh, played by Ryan Hansen and Jimmy O yang they are JD and Brax now you might uh, uh, recognize uh, now Ryan Hansen of course uh, was Dick Casablancas on Veronica uh-huh. Mars. He was also in Party Down, uh-huh. playing kind of a similar doofus. And uh, Jimmy Yang uh, is uh, uh, he's from Silicon Valley. Is probably where most people might know him. Um, yeah, he's. I think he's a stand-up. And also, yeah. the two of them played. Uh, the two of them played like business partners in another movie recently. So I guess they're just on a hot streak. Yeah, they were in uh, what? Uh, like a boss, I think was the movie. Uh, okay. Now, what kind of name is Brax? I I don't know. They keep calling him Brax, and I'm like, so is he a G.I. Joe bad guy? Like, what's going on? I don't understand. I've never heard the name Brax before. Well, his brother keeps yeah. calling him T, which will turn oh. out to be quite uh-huh. significant later on. <laughs> it's a real because, mystery. Yeah. I think he calls him T. I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but I also don't remember the movie. Uh, I'm assuming he's calling him T because he got that liar, liar disease where he can only tell the truth. Mm-hmm. We'll T find out if truth. I'm right later mm-hmm. on. Okay, so uh, audience listeners, have... write down your guess. Why does he call him T in this <laughs> Fantasy Island reboot? And yep. you'll find out in the middle of the show whether you're right or not. So uh, we also have Melanie played by resident pretty little liar lucy hale mm-hmm. uh, and she's kind of like a damaged mysterious young woman uh we have gwen uh played by maggie q who is kind of regretful and skeptical and then we have patrick who is a cop who wants to be a soldier uh played by austin stowell or now this, now this this is we have a couple of flop house doubles here this yeah. is because we did live free or die hard right uh, uh, did we do that? I don't. Uh, oh no! We you don't know. We did a good day to die hard. hard. Never mind. So she's not a flop house double, but the director of this movie did direct Truth or Dare. Yeah, which I believe also had Lucy cool. Hale in it. I'm not. I'm not sure about that, but I think that she is a, in the yes, Blumhouse she was stable. In it. Yeah. So this is a. This is a, so Lucy Hale and the director uh, Jeff Wadlow. I wonder if he's related to Robert Wadlow, the tallest man in recorded history, eight foot eleven <laughs> and a half inches tall. But I. <laughs> 
but I, I don't, don't have know, it in my notes, so you could be right. <laughs> I'm going to do some research on that, but there, there's some Flophouse repeats. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, we, you know, we get to introduce to our gang, and then hiding off in the bushes, that's right, there's an extra person on this island, that's Michael Rooker. And I was like, hell yeah, Michael Rooker's in this. Uh, he's not in it much, though, so <laughs> no, every true. scant Michael Rooker moment is uh, a treat for you. Hold on to those. Clutch them close to your chest. Now, <laughs> Everyone uh, has a Michael the, Rooker moment. <laughs> yeah, the the they talk a little bit about the island as they're being, you know, like ushered around by uh, island uh, by the uh, resort staff. Uh, that the island supposedly. Oh, hold uh, on a promises- second. Sorry, I hate to say it, we have another double because I, I forgot that Ryan Hansen is also in the Friday the Thirteenth remake, which we did oh, on cool. the Flophouse. So. Okay, well, that was worth the interruption. <laughs> so, uh, the, the, uh, the island uh, promises a unique fantasy experience tailored to each guest. Uh, they are all immediately skeptical, uh, particularly Gwen. Uh, and then she looks in a mirror and sees a ghost. So I guess that's what her fantasy <laughs> is. Uh, I mean, if Hallie was on Fantasy Islands, then she would be that, like, I did it. I saw a ghost. Time to go <laughs> home. Time, yeah, t- time to take that uh, that. That plane with the little uh, inflatable things on the feet uh, back back uh, home. <laughs> I think it's just called a hydroplane. They're not called planes with inflatable feet. <laughs> I don't think they're inflatable. The plane they're with not inflatable feet. Then how does it float, Elliot? They're just hollow. What? Like not everything that floats is inflatable. But is there air in there? Is it like a yes? A pontoon? Is that what it is? A pontoon? Yeah, yeah let's call it a pontoon. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we get all these characters kind of sketched out. Uh, they talk about, they're all like speculating as to how the island is going to achieve their fantasies. Somebody suggests LARPing. And you know what? LARPing's pretty cool, guys. I would have to say that in the last year or two, probably the two most rewarding uh, gaming experiences I've personally had were involved in LARPs. I mean, this was obviously pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. But man, yeah, LARPing, all about it. Okay, so... Uh, uh, One other thing um, that we learn about this island, you don't tip the waitstaff. Yeah, you don't tip the weight. I mean, that's that's not that big of a surprise for an all-inclusive place, Elliot. I mean, I, it certainly isn't worth mentioning in your review of Fantasy Island. Uh, <laughs> not the movie. I'm talking about the the. the no, no. The when I write place. it up on Yelp, I'm going to mention that I I was made to feel a little uh, uncomfortable when the uh-huh. when the when my uh, attendant at the hotel when my uh, what are they called the guys who help you with your bag when a bellhop bellhop thank you when the I mean it's they didn't really have a bell and they didn't hop so it's not a great name but when the bellhop uh, said. No, we don't accept tips. He said it with that kind of condescending, okay. like, "Ugh, don't give me money." Okay, and I was, I would uh-huh. have been written up in a review. I was offended by that. Okay, we just uh-huh. we just arrived on this island, guys. Let's uh, <laughs> let's keep moving. <laughs> sure. Yep. So uh, the host, uh, the guy who runs this place, Mister Rourke, shows up, and at this point, everybody is like, "Oh man, something bad happened in his office earlier." That's right. Now, Mister Rourke is played by Michael Pena, uh, a performer who normally has. Quite a bit of charisma. Here he has decided to forget it. Uh, wow. wow. No, I mean, it's Michael Payne is a great actor, but I feel like they had him play it down, which seems strange because, like, I mean, you're inevitably going to compare him to a performer like Ricardo Montalban, who let's generally plays it fairly big. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're telling him, I think, to play it mysterious. Yeah. Uh, and Ricardo Montalban was literally providing good fantasies to people so yeah. he didn't have to pretend that he had secrets to hold on <laughs> to. That's true. I mean, but even those good fantasies, part of the whole idea of that show was that they would, uh, you know, introduce, a, uh, they would give you your fantasy and then you'd realize, oh, maybe that wasn't what I wanted 
after all. Yes. So there was kind of a dark side. So it wasn't, you know, whatever. Uh, So Mr. Rourke shows up, explains that they are going to experience their fantasy after a good night's rest, but not so fast. And he takes J.D. and Brax off right away and takes them to a crazy party at like a separate beach house that's kind of like the MTV beach house. Uh, There's like jet ski stunts. And they kind of just enjoy this fantasy. Their fantasy seems to be about being like rich and famous. Yeah. And uh, I don't know the specific, I can't remember they the specific wording. They said that the, their fantasy was down. to have it all. And so have I guess all. to have yeah. it all means they just have like a mansion with a pool with a bunch of attractive mm-hmm. people around. And they like smoke pot and there's a DJ and stuff. I, and, and Drax, they make a point like. It's Brax. Brax, sorry. Dr- yeah, Drax, Drax the Destroyer. Is, a, is, is from another planet. Yeah. <laughs> Brax. They, uh, Brax is gay, which is, uh, uh, reiterated several times. Uh, it, uh-huh. it, the, the main way that they, like, make this a thing is by just saying it a lot. Um, uh, which is fine. Like, it's, I don't but need it's never him to, a, like. It's never, like, it's never a punchline, which surprised no, me. No, no, I, I was, gonna, what I was gonna say is, like, other than, like, uh, addressing it in, like, the most, like, straightforwardly obvious way, like, I kind of like these two characters and their relationship. Like, this very bro-y guy, is, like, loves his brother so much, is, like, totally accepting of him. They're, like, best friends. And they're, uh-huh. like, you know, like, they just, they carry good vibes around them. They're a little, they're a little dumb. Their their fantasy uh-huh. is a little basic, but, uh, yeah. but they're good guys. But we also, think- over time, we learn that they, they have a difficult family life and that yeah. their parents have basically disowned uh, Brax because of his sexuality. Yeah. And that deep down, uh, there's a feeling of, uh, uh, I think there's a little bit of resentment that JD has that Brax is holding him back. Mm. Uh, or I could be mixing up who's being held back by whom. Uh, so there is a little bit of a dark side behind this uh, glossy exterior. Yeah. It's also possible that they got the fantasy wrong. Because if they said their fantasy is to have it all, maybe they just meant a satisfying career and a fulfilling family life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what's that like, Elliot? I tell I'll tell you when I get it. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, I think you I need to watch a breath. little movie called Baby Boom. <laughs> I don't want to watch a movie about exploding babies, Sam. That sounds terrifying. I, however, would uh, sit in a movie theater right now, COVID be damned, to watch babies explode. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I would mask off and everything. I want to experience the whole exploding baby experience because it's going to be 4D, right, Elliot? I mean, it's got to be 4D because it has uh, depth, mm-hmm. <laughs> a width, and height, and time. So yeah, it's it's a 4D movie. Perfect. So uh, on to the next fantasy. It, uh, Mr. Rourke interviews uh, Gwen to get kind of a better understanding of her fantasy. She says she wants a do-over. She has regrets. She wishes she had a family. So what he offers her is he takes her back in time to a restaurant where she had been proposed to by her then-boyfriend, Alan. And at the time, she had turned him down. But this time, she can choose whether or not she wants a do-over. Yeah. Uh, and she's skeptical the whole time. And it is like, this is the first time where the island actually gets like magical. Because yes. they go through a, a doorway and then they're immediately in a, I would say a, what looks to be like a medium expensive restaurant. <laughs> uh, uh, upper mid range. Yeah. I would, that's what oh, I yeah, Upper mid range. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, not a greasy spoon. Uh, so 
so she's going to have this fantasy. She talks to Alan. She realizes that she messed up and that she, this time when he proposes to her, you know, it takes her a little while to accept that she's like, this is actually happening and he's not like an actor and that he wasn't like tricked or whatever and that he's the same age he was when he proposed to her years ago. I guess it was five years ago. And they, uh, so she accepts his proposal. They're very happy. Uh, and when she wakes up in the morning, not only is it five years later, and Alan has aged f- exactly five years, but they also have a daughter. She yeah. has everything she wanted. Now, mm-hmm. I, finally, there are a couple things I want to say about these. She has it all. Her fantasy <laughs> to have it all came true. Uh-huh. I, th- <laughs> yep. There are a couple things that I wanted to say about this. Number one, wouldn't, like, wouldn't why, why, why? Number one, the thing is uh, that um, this is one of those things in movies that happens a lot where. Everyone disbelieves. Where a fantasy island makes someone's dream come true. Yes. Uh, where, no, what, where everyone disbelieves the magic for a long time. And the thing is, like, if you were in that situation, yes. yeah. if you were in that situation, you certainly would. You would be like, okay, wait, I'm. there's no way I'm back in time. This must be Alan. They flew him out. Like, they go through that whole thing. So you have to be kind of patient with that. But you as a moviegoer is like, no, I'm, I'm coming to see fucking fantasy island. I know that this is a magic island. Let's just get on with it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. also, like, when she wakes up at the second morning, I'm like, okay, well, this is great and all. I understand why I have to do this for plot reasons, but she had to skip both her wedding and the birth of her child in this leap <laughs> kind forward of. in time. She, when she sees her, I think at one point she looks at her phone and then she, like, experiences all, she looks at her phone and there's a whole bunch of pictures from yeah. all of those experiences on there. But the weird thing is, as soon as she looks at a picture, she we then get, like, a video flashback. And I'm like... Is that a video on her phone, or is that going on in her brain? Like it must it's be a video memories? on the phone because it has a filter on it that makes it look like it's from the seventies, and oh, that's right. not when this is happening. So why would her memories look like that? Is that I think it, it feels like it is a. It's the old story of uh, of the memories kind of flooding into her mind. Yeah. In that moment, all in one. That in that moment. She has always lived that life, and so she's remembering all of it the same way that someone would tell you that since dinosaurs are uh-huh. just a trick to try to get us to not believe in the existence of God, that when God created the earth, he created a fake past for the earth that had real fake dinosaurs in it and uh-huh. so forth. Uh, it's kind of like that. Uh, it's kind of like it's, it's kind of like how we when we used to record episodes, I would get so drunk that I would listen to the episode, and then I would have uh, the memories of recording it would flood back into my brain. <laughs> See, that happens to me now anyway. <laughs> like, with, yeah. without the booze, I'm like, what? We said that. It's, uh-huh. it's but this reminded Whoopsies. me a lot of the, the end of Time Cop, where Time uh-huh. Cop comes home and has a wife and child, and he's like, uh, I better know, I better learn this kid's name quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I figured he'd just keep doing those uh, those jumping splits, and people wouldn't really worry about it. <laughs> distracts them. Man, those fucking splits, man. Or he just Look calls his kid Look at like those cheeks and those little shorts he's wearing. Yeah. He just calls calls his kid Chief or Sport, and uh, uh, yeah, and, big and, guy. And it's like, do you know my name, Dad? Jump split. Look at this. Oh. <laughs> and the, and his wife is like, can you please keep your dirty feet off the kitchen counters? I know you can do those jump splits. And then finally, at it's his son's wedding day, and he has to give the, the toast, and he's like, to my wonderful son. And he realizes at that moment he's never known his son's name, and his son realizes at that moment that his dad's never known his name, and there's only uh-huh. one thing he, he can do is a jump split. Mm-hmm. Can yeah. he do it? It's 20 uh-huh. years later. His child's getting married. Can uh-huh. he pull it off? Let me tell you, he's JCVD, so of course he can. Yeah, and you see, you see that you see that full realization on his son's face—a son that is still at this point in this bit 
unnamed. Mm-hmm. A son who realizes his father doesn't know his name, and he goes through the full well of emotion until he realizes his father's just going to do jump splits now. <laughs> and yeah. you know what? God damn it. He wants to see those jump splits. He still yeah. wants mm-hmm. his dad to win. Sometimes all you can get from your dad, it can't be love, it can't be acknowledgement, but you can get jump splits. And sometimes, just sometimes... That's enough. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Ellie Kalen for the Jump Split Council. <laughs> you know, most Americans go through their lives never witnessing a jump split in yep. person or experiencing a jump split. Maybe, maybe we can make a difference. Uh, now that we've talked about jump splits, although that has nothing to do with Gwen's fantasy, we're now on to Patrick's <laughs> fantasy. Patrick is a, uh, a police officer whose fantasy has always been to be uh, a soldier. He wears... Which seems uh, like a not uncommon fantasy for police officers these days. A little on the nose fantasy, I Uh heard. Uh, So he... uh, And he he even wears a pair of dog tags around his neck. um, And he is taken away. He's whisked away by Mr. Rourke and taken to the jungle where he is given a pack of supplies and he gets to live out his fantasy of being a soldier. Uh, He is immediately accosted by a wild-haired Michael Rooker who spouts some gibberish and then runs <laughs> off, and you're like, no, come back! <laughs> yeah, uh, and then, and then uh, Henry! And then he's almost, yeah, exactly. Guy from Slither! <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he... Grant, I uh, think. Grant was his name in Slither. Anyway, let's go. <laughs> he then uh, gets picked up by a squad of soldiers who uh, don't seem to be playing around, and they... Uh, they, I, I guess, kidnap him, capture him, uh, and take him to uh, another group of soldiers led by a lieutenant. And that lieutenant, we find out, is his father. A father that died when he was very young. Mm. Uh, and there's a lot of the two of them kind of... Uh, it takes ungodly long for the two of them to figure out, this is what's going on. He's his son. Yeah. It's years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, his father died on this very specific mission in Venezuela. Uh, it took me a little while to figure out where they were going to be at. Um, but like, did they, are these, and still at this point, I don't really understand. Are these all actors? Are they made out of like mud and the black oil that I'm going to talk about later? Like, I don't know what's going on. So it's he a talks fantasy to his dad. island, Stuart. Uh, it's you're an right, island you're right, you're with right. fantasies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, <laughs> an island with fantasies is a different thing. That's like, but it's, it's like that uh, Pixar short uh, lava or whatever, where the island oh, is yeah, fantasizing yeah. about having, you know, a, a romantic partner. <laughs> I guess you're right. That's the difference between a fantasy island and an island fantasy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Patrick at this point is starting to realize there might be a dark side to being a soldier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, we're going to move on to. He's like, uh, I should have gone to Temptation Island. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to move on to our... The problem is he's, his temptation is also to go be a soldier because he's a police officer. Um, so, so there are all these the, couples trying to hook up with it with each other on Temptation Island, and he's, like, putting them in headlocks and, like, yeah. interrogating them and stuff, and they're yeah. like, stop it, stop. So we then move to our fourth fantasy, and that is uh, Melanie, who goes down an elevator. Already you're like, what kind of fantasy is this? And she goes down, and she's in, like like a control room and there's uh she finds behind the control there's like a mirrored glass and the lights come on and she sees her childhood tormentor who we had learned in a previous bit of exposition a childhood tormentor who had found her like letters she had written to her therapist and then published those letters burn book style uh all over the school thus ruining her life well that cl- cl- uh, close close Close. It was close. Uh, no, she. Well, she. 
Uh, this bully had tormented her in a number of ways, including dumping toilet water on her uh, during the prom. Okay. I'm not really sure how that was uh, done. It seems like collecting toilet water to dump on someone is his own punishment. But then, you take, Dan, you take a bucket, you take a ladle, you go from toilet to toilet. It's not that difficult. I don't want to put that much you, effort into it. I, I think you, well, you pay a plumber to redirect the, uh, the, the waste pipes yeah, above a specific spot. You mark that spot with an X, or maybe uh, like a picture of a toilet. But then you the- gotta make sure that he puts a valve in there too, so you can control the opening and closing of it, so it only goes on the person you want it to go on. But yes. her step <laughs> two: rigging the prom queen election. Now this yeah. is more difficult, and the plumber is not going to help yeah, you that you're much. You're going to need to get William Cat to help you do that. Uh, mm-hmm. uh-huh. No, I. The, the other thing was though, his her therapist told her to write. <laughs> letters to her classmates telling them like uh-huh. what she wanted to say to them because she felt so isolated and then they these were found and posted and like her yep. she also hated her therapist because like he was uh, i i forget how he was bad but he was also awful and she so, called him yeah. dr torture for some reason yeah uh-huh so she, unless that was just so, his name like victor von doom maybe he was just dr victor torture so Melanie enters this control room. She, uh, this is one of my favorite parts of the movie is mm-hmm. when she pulls out her phone. She's like, going to record this. She starts talking to her phone. And in the middle of her narration, she then hits record on her phone. So was she recording before that? Or did she just start her video yeah. late? Like, what the fuck are Th- you doing? That is listed <laughs> on the goofs section of IMDb, I found. Yeah. Uh, I, I rushed over there first so I could be like, I must be the first person to have noticed this flub, and then I was disappointed to find out I was not. Yeah, all, mm-hmm. to the game. That's all, me. Also, later on, like uh, as we will see in the synopsis, like she will be, uh, you know, like running around with this uh, bully, and the big tension is whether uh, the bully will find out that she was the tormentor. And I felt for sure, like, oh, okay, she took that video. That has to be a plot point, right? Like, the bully's going to see this video, and, like, the video does yeah. not figure into anything. So No, it's just it just shows... It, it's a way for people to connect with Melanie, because they're like, I like making videos. Mm-hmm. I'm a tormentor. Yeah. Uh, but not the song by Skinny Puppy, which rules. Um, so uh, she <laughs> immediately assumes that... Uh, the the that her uh, that this woman that is tied up behind the day de- uh, behind a glass played by Portia Doubleday I don't remember her name uh, that she's a hologram uh, she keeps Sloan, talking about I think a, is her name yeah she keeps talking about how she's a great hologram which I guess that's that feels like a leap I mean I would just assume well, that the whole the whole glass was a screen I mean but, especially a- after she does the first thing which is push a button and dump some toilet water on her because the water would go right uh-huh. through a hologram. I don't know. I don't know a lot about water, science, Dan. but hologram water. I, I Dan, do know it's hologram that... water. Oh, it's they hologram? can make hologram water now. Yeah. I see. Because you remember so there's she... that they yeah, mentioned so... a couple times the hologram of Tupac that appeared at uh, what the Vatican at the uh-huh. uh, at the College of Cardinals, <laughs> uh-huh. and uh-huh. they poured hologram toilet water on that hologram also. Yeah, uh-huh. it seems so she so she decides to torture this hologram. She uses uh, she uses like electricity. There's like shock things in the. Mm-hmm. Uh, like little shockers uh, in the the armrests. Yeah. There's uh, she pours toilet water all over. Mm-hmm, uh, as and mentioned, then, then she gets the opportunity to post a damning video on Sloane's Facebook, uh, and then she gets to watch Sloane's husband watch this video of Sloane cheating. It's pretty wild, uh, and that's when she realizes, <laughs> you know what? Maybe getting revenge like this is not cool, and this isn't a hologram. Maybe my actions actually have consequences. 
Uh, so we're really, this is really leaning in. This almost immediately goes into this fantasy is actually bad. This fantasy is a nightmare. And around then is the when... The movie uh, takes a pretty harsh fantasies of torturing people are bad yep. perspective. Stance, yeah. So the, the door in Sloane's room bursts open and we see uh, a guy, uh, well, we see Dr. Torture show up. He's <laughs> like a doctor with his sleeves ripped off. He looks like he looks like the dude who runs around the stage at an exhumed concert. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to me, it, was like, it was like an 80s WWF one-off character. It is 100% like, let's, an let's try 80s this guy. WWF he's character. Dr. Torture and he's a, he knows all of, he's got an MD in pain. And then decided mm-hmm. he, he doesn't work. Never mind. Forget it. Yeah. Uh, so, and it, it looks like he's going to torture Sloane. And then Melanie uses the previously established uh, shocking thing and water to electrocute Dr. Torture and incapacitate him for the time being. And then she breaks Sloane free. She comes up with a ruse that they are, she has been kidnapped as well. And uh, and just to remind everybody that Sloan was the woman who was uh, running in terror at the very beginning of the movie. It took me a little while to figure oh, that out. I'm yeah, not I, smart. I immediately forget what happens in those like sort of prelude scenes in this sort of movie. Uh-huh. I, I, yeah. I I'm not like particularly interested in puzzling together the uh the the complex web of fantasy island i'm just like uh that's not important someone was running yeah the, yeah. the, the two pieces of this puzzle <laughs> yeah. you were like yeah eh, someone it was like when we were me. watching get out together dan and i leaned over and i'm like that's the guy from the beginning that's lakeith stanfield he's very famous now <laughs> <laughs> yeah Okay, so uh, now let's see. Um, yeah, now, so at this point, all the fantasies start to take a dark turn. Uh, Brax and uh, JD, they're, uh, they're hanging out at their beach house. Then all of a sudden, like, a bunch of mercenaries show up wearing masks and guns, and they start just blasting everybody. Mercenaries are led by Kim Coates from uh, Sons of Anarchy. It's nice to see him getting some work. Uh, and they get captured. They don't, uh, they had previously found an escape, uh, what is it, uh, not an escape room, although, you know, it kind of is an escape room. They find a panic room, and they find a room with hidden weapons in their uh, amazing villa. Uh, all their, uh, their, the models that they were partying with go hide in the panic room, but they get left outside, and they get, uh, they start to get uh, interrogated by these mercenaries, and they, their friendship, I guess, is tested. Well, the, uh, these, bra- these mercenaries think that they're like they've hidden like money and drugs because they have it all because like this mansion is a drug mansion. At which point, yeah. at which point, uh, Audrey, who has a inexplicable to me love of the uh, Brendan Fraser version of Bedazzled, was like they stole uh-huh. this from Bedazzled, where he like wishes to be rich, and it turns out he's rich because he's a drug lord. Uh oh. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the yeah. great cosmic scales, you know. That's yeah. how that's how everything balances. If it's you want something, you're taking something from someone mm-hmm. else. That is, that's, it is a zero sum game in this world, Dan. That's capitalism. Yeah. Uh, the it's the uh, they're saying this this mansion belongs to a big drug lord. You must have killed him and stolen it. And it just seems like a real loose reading of their fantasy to have it go that way. Much like the bedazzled wish. Yeah. It seems like. Mr. Rourke or the island, whoever makes the decisions, is really taking the gray area of that fantasy and filling it in with things that he knows they are not going to be interested in. Yeah. So one I of also the had a si- question about Sons of Anarchy. I didn't see that show, but did it end with uh-huh. the main character having a baby and then being like, I guess I'm a dad of anarchy now? 
and putting his, his, his bike in the garage because he has responsibilities now. Elliot, I mean, Wall Family plays an incredibly large part in the Sons of Anarchy universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, that show has one of the dumbest endings of all time. <laughs> Uh, it does feature multiple, like, slow versions of classic rock songs, some of which are sung by, uh, by, by Married with Children alum, uh, what's her Katie name? Katie Seagal. Katie Seagal. Thank you. Oh, wow. Uh, wife of the showrunner, Kurt Sutter. Mm-hmm. And, um, it has, oh, God. So I, it's I like, and it. they'll have fun, fun, fun till her daddy takes her tea bird. Yes. Exactly, uh, and it like the whole show is kind of like the loosest uh, like Hamlet. <laughs> oh, it's like a Hamlet on bikes. It's like a Hamlet on bikes, which yeah. I would see. They're going around the steel cage of death on their bikes, and uh-huh. and, yeah. they're, and they're doing Hamlet. Well, I'd but that's that. the beauty of live theater, you know. Isn't that? I guess that's Beyond the Pines. Now that I think about it, <laughs> oh, kind of place Beyond the Pines. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay, so. Uh, <laughs> That's the beauty of live theater. These, you yep. said, <laughs> we get At any back... moment, they can get on a bike and drive around. <laughs> and only Rob Halford is really taking advantage of that aspect of live theater, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I feel like Meatloaf uh, at his show. I think uh, Charlene went and saw Bad Out of Hell, the musical, mm-hmm. and I feel like there's at least mo- there's at least one motorcycle involved. Okay, in that. okay, so they're taking advantage um, of it too. But, but Edward Albee and his work never took advantage of the fact that. The actors at any point could get on a motorcycle and just get into a steel cage of death and drive around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, that option's available to us all. So, I mean, when you get on, when you get on the stage, you got the lights hitting you in, in the face and you're like, you know what? Time to get in that steel cage of death. So, uh, <laughs> before we get back to the, uh, the individual fantasies, there's a commonality between all of them that kind of signifies that there's something dark going on. Uh, there's like a constant sound of dripping or then mm-hmm. like this like kind of black liquid. Uh, and we keep seeing uh, like a this ghostly visitor that shows up that looks like a burned up like zombie dude. Um, now, and that's obviously those are things that you would assume not what somebody's looking for yeah. when they want it all. And I want to uh, I want to I, I want to just <laughs> Mr. Work is like you said you want it all and a burned up zombie dude technically is one of the things in all. Uh, I guess you're right. OK, you have chicken pox now. Technically part of the all <laughs> now. All right. Yeah, I have it all uh, up and a club foot. OK, yes. Thank you all. But you have a hundred dollars. That's it. Well, you have other dollars, too, but you also have $100, part of all. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Termites. Did I mention your house has termites? <laughs> it all fits under all. So like, you're thank thinking, you, Mr. You're, so all for the, this fantasy is sort of like Katamari Damacy sort of uh, situation where everything in the <laughs> yes. universe has been rolled up and you... Exactly. Yeah. And handed and to you. And your dad's it. mean to you. Uh, <laughs> no, but I wanted to... <laughs> I know, I know, Stuart, that you are uh, against uh, jumping back, but I do want to uh, highlight no, something that... But, uh, we... but pro-kissing himself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Against jumping back, but pro-kissing himself. <laughs> I wanted to highlight uh, a thing that will become significant later. I don't want to spoil any uh, turns of the plot ahead of no, time. You can. But Melanie, uh, when she's setting up her room, has a framed photo of herself and a man that she has brought to the island... Even though this is a time uh, in history where people have photos on their phones, don't need to pack a, an entire framed photo to, to take out and uh, put in your hotel room as if to say to the audience, this is significant. But uh, I just wanted to mention it. You don't do that when you go on vacation? Just uh, ha- Whenever I go on vacation, I always pull out my framed photo of me and you guys. Oh. <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah, it's like having us there. Yeah. I uh-huh. guess I pick I pull out that framed photo of me and a guy in a minions outfit and I I put it up on the <laughs> Yeah. I, I pull out a framed photo, but it's the photo that come, came with the frame, and I'm just uh-huh. like, "Who are these people?" Time to find <laughs> yeah, out. That's my story? fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's get back to these fantasies. So Melanie and Sloane are running away from this torture doctor. He keeps jumping out. Uh, no matter how many times they blast him, he just keeps coming back. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, when they knock him down, like black oil squirts out of his eyeballs, and then he shows up later. <laughs> Just uh, like the Chumbawamba song. They knock him down, black oil squirts out of his eyeballs, he gets back up again. Yeah. Uh-huh. They get rescued by Michael Rooker. M- Michael Rooker helps them beat up the doctor, and the, uh, the doctor torture, and they keep running away. He tries to explain the rules. Uh, they end up like, he takes them to a cave, and like he is kind of not giving me the vibes of a person I would follow into a cave, but whatever. <laughs> Um, so he takes him into a cave and, uh, so, it's so like, just, a, for, just, just to, so I know in case I ever want you to get in yeah, a cave, yeah, what yeah. vibes would, would allow you to follow someone into a cave? I mean, first off, I guess I want somebody who's a good listener first mm-hmm. and not like, doesn't just kind of steamroll over me in conversation. Yeah. Somebody who kind of wants to know what's going on with Stuart. I see. Um, uh, other than that, like, obviously I'd, I'd need to see his, his, like, I need to see his hands cause. Okay. Like, fingernail care is a real good signifier of just general personal hygiene. Uh, uh, huh. We, I feel like yeah. that was a real leap down from, like, you know, good listeners of fingernail care. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's the thing, Dan. It's, it's like, it's a, it's a little thing, but it, it shows a lot about a person's right. just general hygiene and well-being. So you know? for you, it's sort of like the, the writer where, like, you know, like, no brown M&Ms, where if you, like, see that that wasn't done, you know that something else somewhere else mm-hmm. has not been taken care of yeah that goes in into the uh-oh column yeah all right <laughs> and you get too many things in the uh-oh column and it's uh i spin around on my heels and walk away from the cave okay. and what's the other column called <laughs> uh yes please <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> only so, two columns you only need those two <laughs> uh so they go down in this cave he takes them uh under some uh like they have to go through some water you know it's got all the stuff they see zombies some more (laughs) all the stuff it's what you'd imagine inside Yeah, there's a a quiznos everything yeah again like uh, (laughs) eventually he takes them to uh what looks like a big room with a giant uh like a giant crystal wrapped in tree roots and Mm -hmm. it's squirting out that black oil stuff it totally looks like uh something that you would have to attack in a video game to get to the next like Mm. section of the thing you know like Mm -hmm. something that like i'm surprised it didn't have a health bar when you walked in when they walked into the room it's a real Um, metroid boss it's like what you fight in metroid he explains that this uh, that this stone or crystal or whatever is powering everybody's fantasies. There's magic. When he was a journalist or a private investigator who came to this island to try and investigate it, but he got his fantasy, but he realized it was bad, but he can't leave uh, because Rourke uh, knows what's going on as in charge of the island, uh, and they can't leave. So they come up with the plan that the only thing they can do is to like take some of the... Take some of that oil, put it in a, uh, which has properties that uh, once you drink it, your fantasies come true. Uh, I guess it's that's the magic. That's where the magic's coming yeah. from. And That's uh, where the magic happens, is in they, you after you drink it. So they luckily had a, a canteen. They fill that thing with that juice, and they're like, we got to get this off the island. That's the plan, everybody. 
Meanwhile, uh, did I miss anything or did I get it 100% correct? Uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, for like uh, future developments, have we gotten to the point yet? Have we skimmed over the point where like we learned that Mr. Rourke uh, has a dead wife and that's why he yeah. is on Fantasy Island? Because uh, he wanted his wife to come back and we, we don't like... No one, like, upon learning this, asked to be like, oh, where is she? Because then, like, that would ruin the surprise later on about what's going on. But uh, he is tied to the island because it's one of those situations where if he leaves the island, uh-huh. he his wife will be gone forever. And so and so he's taken the job of show- It seems like the island doesn't really need him to take care of the island. I assume he's just taking care of the island's buildings because the island seems to well, do what it's doing without him i mean the island can't get on the internet elliot and advertise it to like you know people out there that's a good point point, so so you're saying that he's a guy he has uh social media marketing and web skills yeah and that's why he's like an ambassador it's one of those it's one of those mysteries where they're like uh the the fantasy my fantasy was to have my wife back i won't mention that there's only one woman on the island and so if you're an audience member you assume this is my wife uh we'll just not mention that at all yeah. But uh yeah. but yeah, Stuart, you got to and so Stuart, the only yeah, thing I think Yeah, and they it, and they that 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 came out when uh he had a like a heart to heart with Gwen who is kind of like I guess there's this moment of like she's you know, even though she has it all as we've already addressed, uh a husband, a child, uh she's snails, still like measles, hot, <laughs> matchbox yeah. cars, it, it has it all. Matchbox uh-huh. 20 uh, Maxbox 20, the whole band. I mean, UB40, 311, every band with a number in it. And also yeah, every band. The Beatles, the Ruddles, uh, all the of turtles. them. She's got everything. The Turtles, the Animals, the Birds, the Bangles, the Go-Go's. Is there a band called the Spangles? If there is, she has it. The yeah. Misfits, all of them. Yeah. The Jacksons, all of it. Yeah. The Cramps. No, sorry, go ahead. She has both so the Lady A who was called Rourke. Lady A first and the Lady A that was called Lady Antebellum and then sued the person who was already called Lady A when uh-huh. they changed her name, which is crazy that you would yep. do that. All right. Uh, She's got all of Kurt Vonnegut's novels, all of Joseph Heller's novels. Okay. She's got all of Thackeray's novels. Stuart, uh-huh. Stuart's moved past looking frustrated to looking at his phone, so let's, we should probably uh-huh. keep going. So... We, uh, yeah, so she had a Gwen, uh, Gwen is skeptical and she has a conversation with Rourke and Rourke's like, basically explains like, these fantasies are great, but you have to stay on the island to enjoy them. Yeah. And Gwen, for some reason, feels like she doesn't deserve this fantasy. Yeah. A reason yeah. that we don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, meanwhile, uh, Patrick and his father have a long conversation. Uh, they come to grips with the time travel elements of what's going on. Uh, his father's like, well, uh, if I'm, if I'm going to die on this specific mission that we're on right now, fuck that. I'm going to go home. I have a son I got to take care of. And Patrick's like, uh, no dude, you die being a hero. It's very important to me that you die being a hero. This was the craziest turn of character where it was like, you'd think his fantasy is to be, be with his dad and save his dad. Uh And, but his fantasy is to be there when his dad sacrifices his life (laughs) so that he can keep being a hero for him, which is nuts. There's a lot going on. I mean, that was his his initial fantasy, but he, 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 it's one of those things where he's like, Oh, if you're not here, your whole unit's going to die. But there's a simple solution for that, which is everyone leave. (laughs) Like everyone get out of there. It's true. Since it's not real. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) I mean, and also they're in some kind of secret mission in Venezuela to, are they explicitly saving hostages or is it something else? 
Something like that, yeah. But and he, they, and specifically, he knows his father dies jumping on a grenade, which would have wiped out his whole squad, but instead just wipes out his body. But, but it is silly for him to... It's like if if uh, the uh, Terminator went back in time just to, like, make sure everything happened exactly the way that it... Like, Skynet's yeah. going to lose because of John Connor, but Skynet is very particular, so we need to make... So the Terminator's just making sure John Connor doesn't, like, break his leg <laughs> and, like, keeping him from going out having fun with his friends on a trampoline and stuff like that. Like, Terminator, can I go bungee jumping with my friends? No, Skynet needs you to stop it in the future. And it's it, very weird to go back in time to make sure know, a thing happens. I gotta say, at a certain point, I don't know why Skynet is so worried about John Connor, because they seem to rise every time even no matter what john connor does so i i mean like they should stop pouring resources into their anti-john connor program yeah it's it is a real uh it's a real boondoggle yeah uh mm-hmm. and i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh skynet like all things is a democracy and they have a big terminator factory in kentucky so skynet's senator from kentucky is like mm. well we gotta keep sending terminators after john connor of course because <laughs> we gotta bring jobs to the robots here in the factory here in my yeah. home state of sky tucky now is this they call a it robot with a, an accent that's what i it very much so okay. yes it is a robot with a with a southern accent okay. and he's uh-huh. like well you know us a southern bots got a saying mm-hmm. you gotta brings home the cotton if you want yep. to be a robot. Uh, and Skynet is uh, like, I don't understand. That doesn't make sense to me. Well, yeah, it's because you're a Yankee AI. All that stuff. It's the same yeah, thing. Yeah, it's you terrible. Because we build these things in our own image. Yeah. Yeah. He's And he's his torso is a giant pork barrel. <laughs> like a metal <laughs> yeah. pork barrel, right? Exactly. Oh. Because, he's, because he's from a political cartoon. And he's always short-circuiting because he's just pouring grits into his <laughs> grill. He doesn't have a mouth, really. So he's just pouring them into his speaking grill, you know? <laughs> So they they battle to, they battle in the water, uh, Patrick and his dad, until they realize, you know what? Why don't we just do the mission together, and we'll probably not get exploded by a grenade. And they're like, oh wow, maybe if we if we work together, we'll actually accomplish this. So uh, that's cool. I, I feel like that uh, is kind of the ultimate dad fantasy to be like, yeah. fighting a war with your son, and then everything's okay at the end. I also you know? want to yeah. say, at this point in the movie, like I assume that what the movie is going to be is doing uh mm-hmm. is that this is going to be a horror movie in name and in some of the elements but ultimately it is going to be a movie where all of these fantasies as as scary as they are are sort of like radical therapy that will help all these people mm-hmm. um and and it's going to be like one of those Rare, but they do exist. Horror movies where the twist is like actually at the end everything is okay, um, like the game kind of, which is not yes. a horror movie, but you know yeah. what I mean. So now, Gwen, despite the rule being that you cannot have a second fantasy, manages to convince, uh, I guess, a woman that we believe is Rourke's number two or no- number one but is actually his wife. It doesn't matter. That that twist doesn't really matter, I don't think. Uh, Rourke's wife lets Gwen get a second fantasy, so she goes through the door she went through before. She goes back in time, we find out, and she's in an apartment building that's on fire. She bumps into all of our characters. J.D. and Brax are there. They're running out of this burning building. She runs up to a cop who is Patrick, and Patrick's like, uh, we're going to wait for the fire department. We're not going to save the guy who's trapped in a, in the room. I mean, Gwen to be runs- fair to Patrick, that probably is standard operating procedure, is for the one cop on the scene to not run into the burning building and 
not and not like you know, the professional yes, firefighters but, do it. But, but this is, I mean, like to be clear, this is like specifically why a couple of the characters are regretful. Maggie Q is regretful; she wasn't able to to uh, save this guy, and because and she, she started, started the, the fire. fire on accident. And Patrick yeah. uh, earlier and, and was you know, like, in, in, I had a chance. The... Hey, <laughs> Patrick earlier had a chance. Look, Dan, to save... Dan, Dan, what? I have a Billy Joel joke that I want to say. Okay. So when Billy Joel said that he and his band didn't start the fire, we now know that's true. Oh, Maggie okay. Q did it. Maggie Q did it. Oh, with thank her God. Teacup. Oh, my God. That, but no, Dan, that, continue that with that joke hadn't been said. <laughs> no. <laughs> if that joke hadn't been said, Skynet would be in control oh, 100 yeah. years from now. No, I just wanted, and I know that because there's a Terminator <laughs> standing over me with a clipboard of jokes I have to say tonight uh-huh. to make sure Skynet gets to feed the future. And he was poking that one with a finger extra hard. I just wanted, it's like how Robert Howard claimed uh, Conan would hover over him and make him write Conan stories. Ma- mm-hmm. I wanted yeah. to make it clear that it wasn't just her regret. It's mo- like she's the one who seems to feel it most keenly. But Patrick earlier was like, I had the chance to save someone and I yeah. didn't. And that's also part of why, like, his father's heroism is so important to him, because he's like, well, I wasn't able to to do it when it was my ter- turn. We we find out that all of our all of our characters are connected through this one fire and death. Mm hmm. Uh, we'll lear- later learn that Melanie was supposed to go out on a date with uh, the guy who died, a guy named Nick, uh, and that they all, uh, not only were they, uh, they all feel like they are responsible in some way. Even J.D. and Brax were, what, roommates with this guy? They were um, roommates, and they thought he wasn't home, so yeah. they didn't they go thought back he wasn't to home. check on So it's, Mel- it's all they're, all, they're all connected. Melanie's feels the most tenuous. I mean, there's a reason for that that we'll get to, but like, at first, she's just like, I was supposed to go on a date with him, and I chickened out, or something like that. Or like, yeah. and it's like, he was not supposed to be there that night. I'm like, uh, I think you can let yourself off the hook for that one. I don't know. Yeah, but... that's, a, that's a weird one. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So uh, so she tries to, she, but Gwen is back in time. She's trying to, to save Nick. She's trying to break down the door, but the smoke gets the best of her, and she passes out. Uh, she's later saved by, what is the, is it Julia? What's her name? Uh, yeah, uh, I think so. Wife. Yeah, okay. Julia. Yeah. So, uh, all the fantasies start to intersect at this point. Uh, somewhere in here, Michael Rooker tackles the torture doctor off the cliff, and we're like, see you later, sweet prince. <laughs> that's the line, right? That's yeah. the yeah, that's line what he says from the end of Hamlet. Yeah, he's, later, a, he's a real Scatman yeah. Crothers character in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so their, their fantasies all intersect. Uh, the uh, Patrick and his father's team of soldiers show up at the, the villa where the mercenaries are. Uh, Brax manages to trick the mercenaries into letting him into the weapons room where he starts getting weapons and blasting everybody and he gets a uh, he gets a grenade that he uses as like a, a thermal detonator type uh, bargaining chip and you mm-hmm. see the grenade and you're like but didn't Patrick's dad die from a grenade? Well that, you know, it doesn't actually happen. Uh, Ryan Hansen <laughs> has an epiphany where he's like you know what? I our relationship you don't hold me back i don't know why i would ever think that and you're like oh great they're gonna have that's really gonna improve their relationship he then gets shot i uh I mercenaries do wanna, are all zombies what's up i do want to uh you know like this this grenade i do i do want to spend a little more time on it because uh-huh. this grenade deserves like cast billing in this movie because it gets it gets taken around uh throughout the entire uh climax uh and uh-huh. there's like a lot of scenes here where someone has their hand on the grenade. Like uh, the, the first time it happens is right here where someone has their hand on the g- grenade uh, and uh, Bra- Brax? Brax? Brax. Brax. His name's Brax. How are you? It, he is the only memorable name in the entire movie. Brax, yeah. uh, like, 
as the person is falling, like, catches the grenade from him, like, to keep the dead man's trigger or whatever uh, from going off. Um, and this grenade gets passed around like a real hot potato grenade. Um, mm-hmm. But it becomes... I think you could have just said hot potato there. Yeah. But, uh, but it's also a hot potato that is a grenade. <laughs> like, yeah. I to specify. It had to be really clear. Didn't I didn't want, want the, to I didn't want the listeners yeah, to be like, around. oh, is there a really hot this... potato in this movie that like is going to burn yeah. people's hands? Is this, now is this I the beginning this of the film. tin drum? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Oh. Stuart is always laughing at his memories oh. of the tin drum. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, uh, yeah, We're so gonna, it, all the mercenaries, they get smoked, and then they get back up as zombie dudes with uh, black juice squirting out of their eyeballs. There's at least one kind of cool effect where the the guy's lying on his back and his, like, eyes fill up with the black juice, and then they, like, break through the front of the eyes like the eyes are glass. That was kind of cool. Uh, I'll give it to you, movie. Um, they uh, So Melanie and Sloan are like, hey, we know a way that we can get off the island. Even though our cell phones don't work, she was able to contact, uh, she was able to talk briefly with uh, Sloane's husband after she posted that video. Uh, So they go back to the torture room and they call him and they're like, look, don't worry about all that stuff. Uh, We'll deal with it later, but I need you to call a guy with a plane. (laughs) So well, and they, and they got the, they got the number for the plane from uh, from Michael Rooker. Yeah, they have yeah, a big his, his uh, reconciliation. Wish. Like it's one of those scenes where she's talking to her husband, reconciling with him, and apologizing, and it's really directed at Melanie in the room, being like, "Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. I was I bullied you." And this is so the, this is the strangest thing about this movie to me is that Sloane, who is mm-hmm. not one of the original main cast characters, is the one who gets the cathartic, life changing speech. And eventually, spoiler alert, like becomes the hero. And it's just yeah. a very strange choice to me to have it be this character who is set up as a as an accessory to one of the main characters. Yeah. To, yeah. That she gets that emotional moment. Yeah. And she uh, yeah. So at this point, they start to float the idea that um, they realize that they're all connected through the death of this of this guy, Nick. And they start to float the idea that maybe they're not living their fantasies after all, that maybe they're stuck in someone else's fantasies. And they start to assume that the woman that we later find out is Rourke's wife might be the mother of Nick, the guy who died Mm -hmm. and that she, uh, her fantasy is for them all to suffer and die. Yeah. It's Uh, that moment in a movie where everyone suddenly makes uh, giant logical leaps because the screenplay needs them to. It is a very giant logical leap. Yeah, uh, it's right it's, up there with the scene in Batman '66 where they're figuring out that the, all the Batman villains are involved based on the phrases the, they have introduced. Is that the, the Vincent Gallo movie? No, uh, yeah, yeah. Batman '66 is the one where Batman gets out of jail and he kidnaps a woman and then takes her to his parents' house, and mm. uh, and Ben Gazzara is his dad. But uh, where Batman's like, "Huh, oh, there was a shark attached to my leg. It was pulling my leg like a like a joke." The Joker's involved. Oh, it's all such some huge riddle. The Riddler. Where it's that kind of logic. Where they're yeah, like, here's yeah. an idea I'm introducing. He's basically, just treated as fact now. It's like, a, it's like he's Dirk Gently all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they, uh, they run to the beach hoping that their plane is going to arrive. The plane comes flying in and then totally gets blasted out of the sky by a missile. And you know what? That was pretty great. <laughs> then they run into the jungle, <laughs> avoiding the mercenary zombies. Uh, they figure out that mystery that I just explained. They go back to the cave because they're like, let's fuck up this magic rock. Uh, of course, they get to the cave. They all get separated. They're 
all haunted at this point by their demons, uh, snakes, uh, hands, double versions of themselves, those mercenary guys. Uh, Patrick's dad shows back up, and he has to battle him in the water again. It's like, is that in your contract? Multiple water battles? And then we find out the... Then we get the big twist, guys. Mm -hmm. The big twist is that Melanie is actually the one whose fantasy was to kill them all. She was in love with Nick, and uh, it was the worst moment in her life, and she also wanted to kill Sloane because Sloane made her feel bad. And so she wanted to kill them all, and she, like... It really feels like... It feels like Lucy Hale is, like, wants to have her Skeet Ulrich, uh, Matthew Lillard end of scream moment. But I don't know if she's got the chops. I mean, those two guys. Oh, what a performance. Well, I, I don't think this is an acting issue. I think this is the fact that we saw her by herself panicking and trying to figure out what to do and being scared. So it, it feels more like Lucy Hale in the middle of the shot was like, this movie doesn't make sense. No. I have to explain it. I'm going to make up a reason why this is happening that's stronger than the one the movie is suggesting. Yeah. And I think uh-huh. she pulled that off, yeah, if that's if, the case. If this is her fantasy, yes. We see her many times. When she is alone, acting as if she is in danger. And also, like, it is an interesting turn because, like, okay, I mean, number one, she went on, like, one date with this guy before he died. Uh So They had a real connection, dude. Maybe he cleaned his fucking fingernails. She's hanging on to a lot. She's hanging on to high school. She's hanging on to this one date. And listened. And even more important, listened to him. Uh, but also, it the movie at this point has the weirdest message because, like, it... Like, this woman bullied Lucy Hale, calling her, like, a psycho stalker. And then it's like, oh, actually, she is, like, evil and wants to murder people. It's like this pro-bullying message. It's like, oh, I was right to bully you. I don't know if it's so much a pro-bullying message as an anti-reaching out to people who are different than you message. Yeah, it is... Whatever it is. It's not saying you you should bully them, but it is saying you should keep them at a distance. Yeah. Which is not still not a great message. No. So we have a showdown in the in the chamber of the giant crystal. Uh, Melanie what, has what her great, army of zombies. Stuart, what a great chapter title for the serial about that stars <laughs> yeah. you as an adventurer. Showdown in the chamber of the giant crystal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would say... I mean, I usually don't refer to the different parts of my bowl of cereal as chapters, but I think that would make sense. <laughs> Because the end feels like a real climax. Each spoonful is a chapter, is the story of you. Yeah. So uh, Rourke shows up too, and he basically is like, I can't help you guys. It's the rules of the island, dudes. And then he wanders off and he talks to his his ghost wife. And then his wedding ring turns into smoke and floats away. (laughs) And then he's like, I can help them. So he shows up. He let uh, he reminds them that Sloane is the only person who hasn't drunk the black oil because she hasn't had a fantasy yet. So she drinks it, and then her fantasy, of course, is that Nick shows up out of the water. He does like a Jason Voorhees at the end of the first Friday the Thirteenth spoiler alert, and yanks <laughs> Melanie down into the water oil, and she drowns. And you're like, okay, the nightmare's over. Not so fast. She gets one final scare. She jumps out of the water with a grenade, throws a grenade at him, and you're like, always with the grenades. No, uh, yeah. So was... Patrick then launches himself onto that grenade, and he gets smoked. The end. Yeah, he gets yeah. his wish to be a hero, grenade. just like his dad. Yeah, this grenade got uh, thrown into the the water earlier, un, you know, without the pin pulled, and like that's what I mean. This grenade just keeps keeps getting passed around from yeah. person to person. <laughs> like they're yeah, like they're like we got to figure out a way to get this grenade to our climax where the, so Patrick can jump on it. Now here's here's the part that uh, if it makes this a good link from uh, Simon Conjurer. Uh, mm-hmm. Our previous episode, which is they all wake up the next morning and the people who died are still dead. 
Yes. Yep. It's like it was all a dream except for the deaths. Those happened. And a link to Simon so, Conjure because it's like because the magic has the people who are alive, the magic has uh, you know like fixed them to some degree. Like at least they they can move on from a lot of what has uh, been problems in their lives. Yeah, now they have the new trauma of their experience on Fantasy Island that <laughs> has overwritten the old trauma that they need to deal with. True. Yeah, so the the at this point the I guess the island is going to continue on. Uh, they didn't blow up the crystal, obviously. Um, the surviving people all want to leave, and then we see a familiar face piloting that that uh, that boat with inflatable feet, or the uh, the <laughs> plane with inflatable feet. That's right. JD is alive, piloting the. I don't know uh, that he air, was piloting. Airplane. I think he was. I think just he was sitting. He was sitting up front, but I don't think he was the pilot. <laughs> uh, but well, it's... maybe maybe we didn't see it. But I bet when that plane gets in the air, he's like, "Can I take the stick?" And but... the other guy's like. Other guy or girl? I didn't. I don't remember. Significantly, uh, was like, yeah, though, take it, dude. Was He's like, like, hey, okay, you do have fly. it all. He's this there. This is part of all. He's there alive, though, because Brax is like, I will stay here on the island in return yeah. for him being alive again. Much like Mister Work had to stand on to keep his his wife alive and this is a sacrifice he's making and it also like plays into the whole like oh these two brothers are too close they need to separate like this is a thing that's happening i don't even know why mr rourke is still the caretaker (laughs) of this island though because the only reason he was there was because of his wife keeping her alive like it seems like he's like well it should be like see ya i'm off this hell island now i mean at a certain point the wife fantasy just became an excuse for staying on the island i think it was really he wanted to be on an island i think it it's weird here that the rules suddenly seem to change because it's like Previously, you come to Fantasy Island, you have a fantasy, and everyone turns into evil zombies and tries to kill you. Uh-huh. And now his fantasy is for his brother to be alive and go back home. So was he sending an evil zombie of his brother out to kill their parents? Is that, like, <laughs> but how is, I, I think how is his fantasy is that, leaving the island? I don't understand. I think his brother's going to be on the plane, and so that is going to play into a later thing where he is going to stay on the island and be excited every time the plane shows up. And... Uh, his brother's going to be there every time he sees him, which is in a way kind of ties in my earlier thing where I was doing a reference to the Pirates of the Caribbean. Since uh. that series at the end of the third movie features a similar setup where somebody is cursed to stay on yeah. a boat all the time and occasionally visit Kira Knightley. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's get to this final moment. Okay, guys, we have a movie based on a popular TV show, and yet we are missing an integral character. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. most popular character on, or one of the most memorable characters from the original show, that's right, is Tattoo. So, but Tattoo has not shown up in this whole movie. Now, Brax is, has decided he's going to stay on the island. And Mr. Rourke is like, well, you can't have a name like Brax. You've got to take up a cool island resort name. Which Just also like when does I go it, on which... vacation and I get my hair braided <laughs> and I get a cool nickname for that whole yeah. time. But also, so, if, if, ever the na- if ever there was a cool island vacation nickname, it is Brax. So, I don't know. It's, it doesn't make sense. I don't know. Uh-huh. I feel like he's worried that Brax is too cool of a name. Mm-hmm. And Maybe. If, if they, if uh, a guest was showing up to the island and they were introduced to a person named Brax, they're like, is my fantasy to battle this guy? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he's like, okay, we got to give you a new name. And he's like, well, I had this silly nickname back in college. And you're like, okay, uh, this was mentioned earlier. Let's get this nickname. Why was he called T back in college? He pulls off his shirt and we see... The word tattoo is tattooed on his chest. T-A-T-T-O-O. Yeah, because uh, he done it for the like name a, of the popular character. A dare to get the dumbest tattoo. And I guess the dumbest tattoo is just a tattoo of the word tattoo in, 
is, is and I'm going to tell you right now, not the head toes. over to the Instagram account, snake underscore underscore pit. And you're going to see much dumber tattoos. Uh, on there. Uh, uh, I warn you, <laughs> I warn you content alert, not safe for a, no, no, a lot of very sexually explicit <laughs> tattoos. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, uh, I'm not familiar with this feed, and I love that both of you guys are. <laughs> well, <laughs> Stuart recommended it to Audrey, and Audrey is shocked every time it comes up in her feed. I'm like, well, you can delete it. <laughs> and she's like, well, no, well, it's you interesting. Don't delete it's it. You funny. don't want to mess up their follower count. Just mute it. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, he's, he's, the, he's Tattoo, which was foreshadowed <laughs> earlier by him running across when the plane was coming, going, the plane, the plane. When they thought I mean, it's foreshadowed also by this being a fantasy island remake. Yeah, that that is uh-huh. cool. So yeah, like it's it ends literally with the like the origin of the popular character tattoo, which yeah. is what everybody was waiting for. Yep. Uh, so it le- you walk out of that theater on a high now. Yeah, it's you're so, like, so that's wow, how it guys, happened. Guys, I'm looking at these pictures now, and you're right. That is a good content warning to <laughs> give to people. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Uh, so it really it makes me question my imagination as a comedian that I'm like, well, I could never think of anything as crazy as these tattoos. Yeah, the the craziest ones are the ones that you see and you're like, wow, that's actually pretty great. Uh, great in the sense that it, the the artwork is very accurate. I would say, not necessarily. Oh yeah, some of those. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's there's one that's like a drawing of Casper the Friendly Ghost, but with a like a giant boner, and then it's like followed by multiple reflections of the same image, and I'm like, oh, I'm haunted by the thought of this. Uh, it's like uh, it's like the end of uh, of that Alan Moore Providence comic. Mm. Okay, well, this is the part where we give uh, final judgments, and of course, we have our special Shocktober uh, categories that baffle, oh, I forgot about these. Baffle oh. my ghosts every time. Was this movie totally scarifying? Was it totally snorifying? Or was uh-huh. it frightfully funny? <laughs> um, guys. Now, is it frightfully funny or frighteningly funny? Fright, I think it's frightfully. I, I prefer frightfully. Let's. Okay. Let's go with frightfully. Yeah, let's do what Dan prefers. Uh, now. <laughs> Look, it happens so so infrequently. I know. I know. Um, Just giving you the business. Let's see. Uh, well, <laughs> here's where those categories <laughs> fall apart completely. And I return to our normal categories. Guys, I got to admit, I kind of... <laughs> I love, Dan, that you... you- you introduced those categories. No one was asking for them. Just to immediately discard them. I mean, them. people, people, I think, like and then the... specify that he prefers one one way and then getting rid of it. <laughs> I, 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 think, I like to do it because... It's like, it's like you ordered a price-fixed meal at a, at a restaurant. You were very specific about how you wanted the sauce on the side. Uh-huh. And then when it arrived, you threw it away and said, give me a hamburger. <laughs> I think that I just... I think people enjoy the confusion that they feel from you guys when I introduce it, but I, I gotta say yeah. this movie is certainly not uh, totally scarifying. Like, this movie is an utter failure as a horror movie. There's nothing frightening about anything that happens in this movie. But uh-huh. I have to admit, I sort of enjoyed it while I was watching it. Now, there's it totally falls apart if you give it any examination at all. Like, the plot makes no sense, but it a lot of stuff is always happening. It's The basic premise is you know, pretty fun. Like, the movie certainly could lose at least 20 minutes. This movie is almost two hours. It should be a tight 90, if not, like, 82. But, um, 
I don't know. When we were watching it, Audrey's like, I don't know, this is fine. Like, I'd give it two and a half stars. And I I grinned, and then I just handed her my phone where I had just put on Letterboxd. It's fine. And rated it two and a half stars. So that's what I, like, if you, you know, if you want something to fall asleep to, Fantasy Island. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's a movie that is real, uh, relatively easy, goes down easy filler. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I didn't, it's not my sort of thing really, but there were some jokes in the movie that I thought were funny. It's not like I was LOLing at them, but I certainly imagined myself LOLing at them. <laughs> uh, and so it is, I would say it is, yeah, if we're going on the old scale, it is, uh, None of them for me. <laughs> yeah. uh, and if we're going on the new scale, it's somewhere between uh, snorifying and funny, but it's neither of those. Yeah. So I yeah. guess what I'm saying is I reject both scales. <laughs> yeah. This, I like I like that Elliot made a big deal about Dan changing it up and then th- well, threw all Dan's ratings away. This podcast, <laughs> this podcast is nothing if not like a slow lesson to all of us uh, about how art. It's impossible to you know shove art to categories. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially these categories. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like why try and uh, ascribe like a numerical value on the quality of art? Just mm-hmm. talk about it, man. It's meant to be experienced. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, <laughs> I would probably say it's uh, uh, in between snorifying and frighteningly funny. There's some really dumb moments and just the whole structure of the third act just doesn't make any sense ever. And it feels like it's just thrown together by somebody who has a short attention span and is just trying to, I don't know, like, surprise people, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, if it's there are worse things that you could watch at a slumber party when you are 13 perfect. or 14. Perfect. Yeah. You're exactly. at a slumber party. The best you can do is a PG-13 movie. I don't know. Put this on unless you're going to watch Drag Me to Hell, which is the infinitely better option. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, a hundred or like Alien. Like, that's you could watch that. Is too. Alien PG-13? <laughs> it might as well be. It's it's uh, it's pretty great. <laughs> I give it 13 out of 10. Is, is that no, your, your quantifying of, yeah. of PG-13? PG-13 is pretty, pretty great. great. 13 out of 10. Yeah. Okay. And R stands for... <laughs> Sometimes. Oh, I thought it stood for <laughs> radical. <laughs> it yep. depends on what movie it is, really. Yeah, that's true. Macho man to the top rope. The flying elbow. The cover. We've got a new champion. We're here with Macho Man Randy Savage after his big win to become the new world champion. What are you going to do now, Match? I'm going to go listen to the newest episode of the Tights and Fights podcast. Oh, yeah. Tell us more about this podcast. It's the podcast of power. Too sweet to be sour. Funky like a monkey. Woke discussions, man. And jokes about wrestlers' fashion choices. Myself excluded. I can't wait to listen. Neither can I. You can find it Saturdays on Maximum Fun. Oh, yeah. Dig it. If you're looking for a new comedy podcast, why not try the Beef and Dairy Network? It won Best Comedy at the British Podcast Awards in 2017 and 2018. Also, I'm... There were no horses in this country until the, the mid to late 60s. Specialist bovine arse vet. Both of his eyes are squid's eyes. Yogurt Buffet. She was married to a bacon farmer who saved her life. Farm-raised, 
Snow Leopard. Download it today. That's the Beef and Dairy Network podcast from MaximumFun.org. Also, maybe start at episode one, or weirdly, episode 36, which for some reason requires no knowledge of the rest of the show. Okay, guys. Well, um, it's time to move on to the next section of our show. We don't have any um, businesses sponsoring us today. Well, at least oh, wait, Dan, not wait, the- wait. Before we do, I, I apologize. Uh, one thing that says in the IMDb trivia that might have changed our mind, apparently Fantasy Island, they wanted Nicolas Cage to play Mr. Rourke, yes. it says here. But he turned down the role. So that might have changed things I, around I in this I can't movie. believe... Number one, that uh, we didn't mention that before, because I saw the same thing. And number two, that Nicolas Cage turned down a role. Um, but let's move on. Uh, like I was saying, no uh, companies are sponsoring us. Uh, well, that's not true. Jumbotron companies are, are companies in and of themselves. But we've only got Jumbotrons. So, Elliot, as you are the only one here currently... <laughs> Uh, could you do the jumbotron that I sent you? Because when I said when I said, "Oh, wait, one more thing," that was Stuart's cue to leave. <laughs> <laughs> so I will now do my jumbotron. For decades, Roger Ebert wrote a regular column to create his own definitive list of the great movies and foster a love of cinema from all over the world. Roger's list is the podcast where Steve Guntley and a rotate or Guntley and a rotating cast of co-hosts are setting out to watch each and every one of them, from The Godfather to Groundhog Day. It's just the G movies, I guess. That's just me interjecting. You kind of want to do an A movie and then a Z movie. From beloved staples to underground curios, Steve and his guests are watching them all. Check out the funny, insightful, and informative Roger's List podcast today. Subscribe to Roger's List on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That does sound like an interesting podcast, and I think I'm going to try it. Uh, Stuart, and you also have a Jumbotron. Okay, let me just pull it up. Mm -hmm. Let me read this one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this message is for Elliot, Kalen, and Stuart Wellington. Okay, uh, it's from Binge Listener. Okay, Binge Listener. You know, odd name, but that's fine. Uh, dear Flopperinos, long time and Binge Listener, one thing I have noticed is that it seems like picking on Dan has reached a cruel phase as of late. I have spent money to ask that you stop bullying Dan so much on the podcast. It makes me sad, and I want to be happy listening to you. Well, that, I mean, that's a real. Like, okay. There's a real loophole that has been opened up there, which means that you can bully me off the podcast. Uh huh. So, yeah. Which I mean, I guess that you do bring up a good point. I mean, this is clearly uh, a critique of our performance on the podcast because yeah. I think it. Uh, I mean, I, I like to think that we are separate people. Uh, you know, we're performers mm-hmm. and we're also, uh, we have a private life yeah. where we're all very close friends. Yeah. And uh, the show gives us kind of a safe space to try and make each other laugh <laughs> and perform. And I feel like Dan, as a performer, is very good at uh, 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 at being kind of the heel sometimes. So that uh, <laughs> that well, leads I, uh, to is heel accurate so much as maybe I'm more of a Bob was... Newhart sort of uh, character where I get a lot of well, abuse see, I... and I uh... yeah I was gonna say doofus more like the doofus who like kind of messes oh, okay. things up and then we make fun <laughs> yeah, of him yeah, which yeah, is yeah. not nice which is not nice on no, our no, part no, no, no. but but I I feel like for at least for me part of the joke is that I'm uh, <laughs> I'm a dumb asshole yeah <laughs> no no look look, look 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 let's address this let's make it clear uh, uh, these two are much 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 nicer to me off air they're both real sweethearts uh uh i mean other than the times that we all get 
sort of irritated at one well, another. Like, in the, the way that should know that you are much meaner off air. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, no, I, I, I come across as a sort of an affable person, if uh, quick to anger. But uh, no, no, <laughs> no. I, the thing is, uh, you know, the the strife mostly only comes out off air in the sense that any three friends who now essentially run a business together <laughs> might get annoyed at one another. But other than that, on a personal level, uh, uh, we're all very close. Just a, just a reassurance. I, I think I will. Uh, I'll say, listener, I hear your critique. I don't fully agree with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something. It's a critique I've been hit with before, and uh, I feel like the abuse we give to Dan sometimes goes too far. Often, not far enough. But <laughs> I will quote to to ex, uh, to explain to my true feelings, which I hope come through more often, and which I'll try to have come more often. I'll quote something that my older son Sammy said to me today, where he said, "I love Dan." So Aww. there's a lot of love for Dan in my heart and in my house, Aww. and I know Stuart feels the same way. And so mm-hmm. we will try to try to be more loving with him on the podcast. No, no one wants to hear that. Oh, no one. But, uh, no, no, Dan. From now on, we're only going to tell you how great you are and how <laughs> handsome you are. I, I can't say that because my voice automatically always sounds sarcastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so even if I'm speaking from my heart, people are like, "Oh man, Stewart's winding everybody up again," <laughs> which does Classic not work Stuart. well when I'm at the bar and I'm like trying to get a drunk guy to leave mm-hmm. calmly. They're like. <laughs> Why is this tall, handsome guy being mean to me? I want to punch him. And I'm like, don't punch me. That's my moneymaker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm talking but, uh, about the I, cash register I carry around with myself at all times. That you hold, on to, you hold in front of your face all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I do like this new precedent that if anyone wants to criticize us, they have to pay us to do it. Yeah. So thank <laughs> no, you, Binge Listener, for setting that up. Let's, let's keep that going. Do not do not tweet at any of us. Instead, yeah, pay, pay a fee to uh, have the crit- critique happen on air. I, at this point, I seem to use Twitter almost exclusively as a way to interact with my mom. <laughs> I did like when you and your mom were telling each other what was being cooked at your house. Oh, yeah, yeah, Wellington <laughs> updates, baby. Oh, yeah. How did the chili turn out, Stuart? I felt bad that uh, uh, I couldn't have any. Yeah, I mean, chili? I it went through all the good. effort to make a delicious chili, and I posted pictures on social media because I was hoping mm-hmm. I would coax Dan out of his hole and come to my home. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had seen Dan posting pictures of his home. lovely walks around. Hanterlands. I'm not going to come to your uh, home during the pandemic. You're just I, like, I like, just want to point out that I like that Dan took issue with the idea that Stuart was at home, but not with the issue with the idea that Dan lives in a hole. <laughs> that was, I mean, I'm not taking issue with. Yeah. Uh, so I had seen Dan posting pictures from Prospect Park, so mm-hmm. I knew he was out and about sometimes. And so I made uh, chili at Hinterlands. It was a special. I put a lot of love and a little bit of heat <laughs> uh-huh. into that chili, and it turned out really good. It was very spicy. I would say yesterday was close to like a four alarm, mm-hmm. but today it's it's a little bit closer to like a two two alarm. Well, I I will say, and look uh, as. As I've grown older, I'm not embarrassed to, to share these things with people. Uh, I was not out and about yesterday because I was at home pooping a lot. And so uh-huh. chili would not have been the thing for me at that point. Um, so, yeah, I apologize that my intestines prevented me from enjoying your cooking. I'll, I'll save some for a, a day when you are not pooping a lot. I would love uh, that. Just It'll make look, sure to let me know. I mean, good. we probably can't schedule that in advance because mm-hmm. you never know. Yeah. Okay, now you've the plaintiff and the defendant have stated their case. Mm-hmm. Now I, Judge Kalen, on Chili Court, 
will go mm-hmm. into my chambers and figure out who's going to win this case. Uh, hmm. Hmm. My chambers, of course, being the bathroom. I'm out. Okay, that was fast. And uh, guys, I've made my decision. I'm going to issue a writ of habeas pupus and <laughs> declare in favor of Dan. So, Stuart, I'm sorry you missed. It. You lost this one on Chili Court, yep. but feel free to bring any more of your chili arguments to Chili Court, the one televised court where we only deal with chili. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Like, it's just, it's it's good enough that I get to play, you know? Yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, now, it's Elliot. always a pleasure. I believe you had uh, a piece of personal promotion and one for the show. Uh, you can free, feel free to do them in whatever order you feel most comfortable with. Let's start with the one for the show. Hey, everybody, in case you weren't paying attention to previous episodes, we're going to be doing another live episode for charity. That's right. On the Flophouse YouTube page on October 24th, one week before Halloween at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, we'll be talking and maybe rocking about the movie Exorcist Mm -hmm. 2, The Heretic. A lot of people enjoyed our Howard the Duck show. This is going to be just like that. It's going to be the exact experience of a Flophouse Live show in your living room or wherever your computer is. Take it into the bathroom with you. I don't care. It's on the YouTube no. page. We you can't can watch see it on you. your phone, too. Yeah, yeah, watch it on your phone in the bathroom. Or, you know, bring the TV in. Maybe you have a tablet. Just take <laughs> it on the toilet and enjoy the show. It's going to be at the you, Flophouse YouTube page. You can page. watch on We're any <laughs> sort of uh, item, but you must be on the toilet. <laughs> That's the rule. Yeah. Ironically, it's not our rule. That's what the director, John Borman, stipulated about The Exorcist Two: The Heretic. <laughs> yep. That it must be watched on the toilet. And so that's going to be October 24th, one week before Halloween. We're going to do presentations. We'll talk about the movie. We'll take some listener questions over Twitter. And we're going to be doing it again for charity, for a list of charities that will be up on the Flophouse website. So that's mm-hmm. that on October 24th. Here's an announcement now that's not for charity, but very much for my own personal profit. I have a new book out. It's a children's book called Sharko and Hippo. It is a Marx Brothers-inspired uh, children's book. It's not a children's book. That's not a thing that exists. It's a children's book. Uh, it's got pictures by the wonderful Andrea Tsurumi, and that is out in stores or for order online now. Please support your local bookstore and get a copy of Sharko and Hippo. Elliot, I'm going, and I am uh, I am ordering Charco and Hippo as we speak. Uh, oh, cool! Walk us through that process. Uh, well, I, <laughs> I I mean it's pretty much done by now. I I, I did not. <laughs> okay, so I did thank not you. buy a horse meat's dog. I have to admit, but um, but the combination of you and a Marx Brothers themed uh, or inspired uh, children's book has inspired me to get. Horse or not horse meat dog? That's your old one. Get that one too. Shark going. I mean, go buy horse meat dog. If you haven't bought horse meat dog, the one I did with Tim Miller, please buy that too. That one's also hilarious. But this one's hilarious too. It's kid tested, me approved. Uh, my kids love it, and I think yours will too. Maybe if you're an adult, you will too. It's called Shark going. I, w- I would like to mm-hmm. correct myself. I have bought horse meat dog for others. As a childless person myself, I did not buy it. But this one is for me. Sharko and Hippo. But you've been looking for more mm-hmm. bait for your windowless van, and you think Sharko and Hippo <laughs> might be the book. Oh, don't. Please don't. <laughs> okay, so... Yeah, yeah. Dan, what's the what's the next segment of the show? The next segment is letters from listeners like you, the listeners. <laughs> it's a little redundant, but uh, we can't change it now. Amos Last Name Withheld writes this. Be nicer to Dan. <laughs> Be nicer to Dan. <laughs> I make hey, Stuart, it so hard. Only, only the hard things are worth doing. We got to remember that. I feel like he's leaning into it, Elliot. Yeah. Okay. Amos Lashney, name withheld, writes: As a '90s kid, I grew up with some early 2000s films that I used to love, but in retrospect, were abysmal. 
For example, as a child, I laughed at every stupid joke of the Steve Martin Pink Panther reboot, the Leslie Nielsen Mr. Magoo movie, and most bewilderingly of all, even old dogs. I can only look back on my childhood in disbelief and wonder why I rewatched those terrible movies countless times. So, floppers, my question is, are there any bad movies that were staples of your childhood that you would now flop on the podcast? Keep on flopping in the free world. Amos, last name withheld. Uh, my brother, John, insists that I loved the Water Babies movie when I was a kid, mm-hmm. the cartoon. Hmm. I maintain... Water babies, yeah. they make your dreams come true. I maintain that... Water <laughs> babies, but not what in a scary fantasy island no. way. No. If you want to have your dream, but you don't want it to turn into zombies, oh, don't go to fantasy island. Instead, hang out with the water babies. Water, 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 mm-hmm. water, baby, babies, etc. Uh, so, uh, as I was saying, I, I maintain wait, that... Wait, 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 uh, Jordan, oh. leave a pause there for the applause from okay. the listeners at home. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I Longer ma- pause. <laughs> Longer pause, more applause. Oh. Okay, thank you. Uh, I maintain that I was just uh, uh, a five-year-old who would watch any cartoon in front of me. But later on, um, there are, there are, like, in the dumb comedy realm of this, I remember watching, like, some John Candy things that, like, you know, John Candy, always charming, not often in the movies best served by the material given to him. Uh, so I would watch, you know, like, Who's Harry Crumb, which I'm sure would not, <laughs> would not like, bring me much joy these days. I remember thinking that Delirious actually had some pretty funny stuff. I wonder if it would hold up, but that was another one I would see a lot. Uh, I don't, what, what do you guys have? Uh, I mean, when I was a kid, I watched a lot of movies that I still love, Gremlins 2, mm-hmm. The Stars Wars is, and stuff like that. Uh, but we uh-huh. also, in my house, we watched Teen Wolf a lot, and we've talked about Teen oh, Wolf yeah, on yeah. the podcast. Yep. But that is very, that's one probably for us to keep in mind, actually, for a, for a future special show. Because oh, that yeah. is, there's a lot to dig into about that dumb movie. And it is, uh-huh. it's so dumb. Like, it's so, yeah. and every, I, I, I'm sure there's stuff I'm forgetting about it that's dumb. But we used to watch it constantly, because it was my sister's favorite movie. Mm-hmm. I uh, I mean I don't know I watched all your normal stuff. Uh, my wife and I have been rewatch uh, not rewatching. We've been watching for the first time the television show Cobra Kai. So it made me think about how many times I watched the Karate Kid movies, uh, and how I never really considered the trauma that would be inflicted in you, even if you win the karate tournament. The uh, the bullying <laughs> you know it stays with you you know. Um, but uh, I don't know like like you guys were saying like for a while like. The movie I was most excited about and couldn't stop thinking about was Second Sight with John Larroquette and Bronson Pinchot. Uh, like I would just, I would just think of the movie poster and I'd be, uh, it'd sweep me away into a new world of imagination. Um, uh, and you know, movies like that. Uh, I think my brother's favorite movie was Ski Patrol, so I watched Ski Patrol a lot. And by my brother's, yeah, I mean it was my brother's favorite. It was like in my top five, probably. Uh, and I, having rewatched that recently after our Howard the Duck live show, you know what? Still good. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that movie. I think that there are a lot of movies, probably of like with like big comedy stars of that era, that I would like give a shot, even though, and and keep watching, even though they were not good, just because 
of who was in it. Like, I remember, like, watching Loose Cannons with Dan Aykroyd and Gene Hackman. Yeah. And it's like, this is this is a, 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 an awful, awful movie. But, I feel yeah. like I saw Armed and Dangerous, like, every other yeah. week when I was a kid, somehow. Yeah. Oh. Or, like, The Toy. Brewster's Millions, them. I saw over and over again, because it was always on WGN. And I'm like, it was just good enough. Just good enough, but not any better. <laughs> Yeah, I watched that recently because I didn't remember it at all. And Charlene was like, you don't remember Brewster's Millions? So we watched Brewster's Millions. Um, the I feel like the thing is, and we've talked about this uh, probably quite a bit, but like a lot of the movies that I watched a lot that I consider to be kind of bad, part of the reason why I think they're kind of bad is because of uh, things that I wouldn't really want to joke about on a podcast, like, I don't know, like 16 Candles or yeah. Revenge of the Nerds or some shit. Well, there's a lot of, there's movies with problematic stuff too. Yeah. That, of course, when you're That's a kid. That's what I mean in the 80s you don't fully notice but there are other movies where it's like like uh like baby legend legend of the lost dinosaur or something where i'm sure there's both problematic aspects and if i watch it now i'd be like what is this like <laughs> taking, I, taking I that vhs cassette home i was so fucking excited that i was gonna see a fucking dinosaur yeah yeah <laughs> the vhs tape i rented from the grocery store because that's where you got vhs tapes <laughs> mm-hmm Along with Tammy the T-Rex and Theodore Rex. You're yep. like all three of them together. Stack of tapes. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. this, this triple feature. This next one's from Connor, last name withheld. Who writes? John Connor uh, on the future. Oh, wow. Dear Peaches, I was wondering if you guys had any favorite foreign rip-off cinema. For example, Turkish Star Wars, Indian Superman, etc. You might be able to pass along yours and flop, Connor, last name withheld. Uh, just this last year, I watched Lady Terminator from Indonesia, uh, which was a lot of fun. Like it's, and it, it's a movie that takes the basic outline of the Terminator uh, for its like, like maybe second and third acts, but the first act is all about like the the setup is different. Like there's this ancient sex goddess, like like a uh, snake goddess who uh, gets a curse on her. Like this, it's a very different kind of feel. It's a lot more mystical, but uh, it's a very, that wasn't in movie. the original Terminator. No, <laughs> it's extremely entertaining. I, that's a, it's a fun one. Anyone else have anything or not? I don't know. I mean, I am a fan of Turkish star Wars. I think it gets kind of dull after a while, but the first 10 minutes or so of that is, is pretty fun. Like, Nonsense, and I love the fact that the backgrounds they're using for the space fight scenes is just footage from Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So you'll see the the foot like battle footage from Star Wars in the background, and the character like spaceships flying through spaceships and things like that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I wonder if there's yeah. Any off the top I of my I don't. Head I, I actually don't have a lot of experience with this sort of stuff. That's like I feel like it's a pretty big staple of like bad movie culture. Yeah. Uh, that I. I that that was never really part of my my uh, my schooling. I mean, I will I I will acknowledge that there is perhaps an an icky side to like the idea of like okay, well these other cultures have done like this bad version of a Hollywood blockbuster yeah. and laughing at that. But I also and I understand like that that part of it I don't care for. But sometimes you watch these movies and it's like you know be kind rewind where. You're watching these Hollywood style movies like done in this handmade way that makes them yeah. a lot more charming. And then like people throwing in elements from local culture to like 
you know, make it make make it their own. That's a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, there's some joy of cinema. There. Yeah. Um. So those are the question, the letters for for uh, this episode. Um. And there's one last thing we need to do before signing off. Uh. For this flop house, and that is make recommendations of movies that you may want to watch instead of fantasy selling. Let's, let's let's just say that uh, it's Shocktober. <laughs> So I'm going to recommend a movie that it was uh, recommended previously, but uh, way back by Paul Saborin uh, as a guest. Uh, none of us said anything about it in particular, and that is Train to Busan, which I finally got around to watching. I sort of put it off because I will be honest with you guys. I'm kind of zombied out. Used to be my favorite of the uh, major horror monsters. Now I'm like, Ugh, can we just stop with the zombies? But it is a very uh, kinetic... That is a great title for a zombie movie, though. Can we just stop with the zombies? <laughs> that is like the attitude of the uh, the like nerdy brother from the Mummy franchise by the time they get to the third Mummy movie. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stop with the mummies. You've talked about his character arc, right? From, yeah. I don't believe in mummies, I'm scared of mummies, I, I'm tired of mummies. <laughs> it, <laughs> well, Train to Busan is a, is a Korean horror movie, and it, um, it shares with... Oddly enough, Snowpiercer, uh, the uh, being trapped on a train element, and the sort of class, um, the class undercurrent, the uh, the metaphor uh, of of the movie, but um, but very different. It's a it's very much an action horror movie with like just wanting to supply you with thrills, and it won me over. Like I said, too many zombies in my life before this movie. Not sure I need to see mm-hmm. a lot more zombie movies unless they bring something new to the table. But this one, um, uh, Audrey told me I had to recommend it because she could hear me from the other room yelling at the screen at different points. Like, no, why? Yeah. Don't. Stop. No. Oh, yeah. There's a, it's, it's, it's like a really well-made movie. And the sequ- there are a bunch of great sequences where you're like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. Uh, and the production values are astonishing. Yes. It's, so, like, it looks amazing. Yeah. You know. So if you're looking for like a fun horror movie this season, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, that's it's uh, high energy. Yeah, I'm gonna recommend a, a horror movie. Uh, this is a smaller horror movie. I'm gonna recommend Bliss, which you can watch on Shutter. Uh, it was directed by, written and directed by Joe Begos, Begos, uh, who recently did a movie called VFW. Um, mm. It's this little micro budget movie about an artist who. Uh, is having a little bit of artist block, uh, and she uh, gets deeper and deeper into her drug addiction, and she is uh, she encounters a drug that uh, t- basically turns her into a bloodthirsty maniac. Um, but at the same time, it's uh, even though she's coping with uh, struggling with what she is uh, doing, uh, it's also fueling her art. So it kind of, uh, it, you know, it's kind of a silly movie and some of the performances are uh, wonderfully stiff. Uh, I think there's an honesty to the way it presents addiction and art and partying and it's, uh, it's pretty fun. Uh, I'm going to recommend, since I had a movie to recommend that uh, I'm going to change my recommendation because I forgot I should have a horror movie recommendation. So stay tuned for a different movie on a different episode. But I'm going to recommend uh, a movie that I thought I'd recommended before, but I guess I hadn't. And that's The Others, starring Nicole Kidman, which is oh, a wow. great horror movie for people who don't like horror movies. I, I really like it a lot. I remember seeing it in the theaters when it came out in 2001 and really being like, 
swept away by it, you know? And a few years ago on Halloween, I really wanted to watch a horror movie. My wife is not a big horror movie fan. She does not like to be scared. And we watched this, and she really liked it a lot. And so if you happen to be in that situation, let's say you have a partner who is not into scary movies, then The Others is a real spooky, old-fashioned ghost story to watch. And uh, Nicole Kidman's great in it, and the movie looks beautiful. And I will recommend it. Sounds great. Yeah, that's a great one. I feel like that's a movie that uh, has uh, appreciation for it. Like, people liked it when it first came out. Mm-hmm. It may have even been nominated for some stuff, but I feel like it is, uh, it is, it's kind of a low-key, like, uh, I guess, like, foundational, like, sh- horror movie. Like, it's for a... Like- uh, I mean, it's just one of those things where it, like, I think it's, uh, its esteem has grown over, like, quietly grown over time. I think it's a very non-flashy horror movie in a lot of ways and i think it, yeah. it just like yeah it is st- it pulls off the fundamentals of a very old-fashioned type of ghost story very well and yeah. and nicole kidman's performance in it is is fantastic and like it's a movie that like uh when it first came out i remember being disappointed that it kind of came and went kind of disappeared but um according to wikipedia it made 200 million dollars the box office i guess worldwide so i guess it didn't disappear that much but yeah. uh no, I remember it's, it being a minor hit, especially because like a ghost, like a slow burn ghost story, was not a thing that was uh, you know like so big at the time. Like I feel like we've actually gotten more into that kind of horror being a, a thing again recently. Well, it's like you were talking about those A twenty four movies, and the others kind of feels like a little bit of a of precursor a, to that. Yeah, it's a link between like an old older movie like The Haunting and uh, and those current kind of A twenty four. Yeah. Atmosphere 24 movies. Turn that atmosphere up to 24 mm-hmm. with A24. Uh, so that's this show in the books. But fear not, another Shocktober episode is coming right up in a couple of weeks. Uh, two so, weeks. Two weeks, in fact. <laughs> the show is released every two weeks uh, and with many episodes on the alternating weeks, and will continue to be like that. Uh, okay, well, it's, thanks. You might say it's spookily regularly scheduled. <laughs> <Yep>. mm-hmm. <laughs> you could say that. You might say it's frighteningly consistent in your podcast app feed. Yeah. Uh, okay, guys, this room's hot, so uh, let's uh, wrap it on up. Thank you for to, to Jordan uh, for uh, editing the show. Thank Jordan you. Cowling, you mean? Yep. Thank you to you guys for being here. Thank you for me guys oh, to be here. Thank you, Dan, for being you. Uh, yeah, thanks, Dan, for always doing everything you do all the time. Um, for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. I've been Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalin saying thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Now, you may ask, did I think that maybe I should do a joke there where I kept going? And I did think that, and I decided, eh, let's just end the episode. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.